You're listening to Little Green Cheese, episode 74. Well, welcome back. I'm Gavin Weber, and this podcast is where you can learn about cheese making at home. So, it's been a busy week. I've been putting together many, many YouTube videos as well as podcast episodes for you to listen to. The video I've been, um, or the cheese, I should say, not the video. The video is a result of the cheese, obviously. The cheese that I made recently that uh, took my fancy was uh, Formaggio Ubrichio. Uh, which stands for, which means drunken cheese. Hopefully I've said that right. Anyway, so it, it was a remarkable little cheese. It first started out as a, a, a washed curd cheese, very similar to those from uh, from the low countries, uh, the Netherlands. Uh, so it had a couple of water baths, the curds did, um, and we washed it to get rid of some of the acid, uh, remove some of the whey and stirred it to shrink the curds. And then after we did that and we pressed it into a uh, into a, a cheese mould using the cheese press, we soaked the cheese in a water bath, uh, sorry, not a water bath, a wine bath, a red wine bath, using some sweet red wine that uh, over here in Australia they call, uh, what's it called? A Dulce Rosa, which used to be called Lambrusco, but I uh, believe that uh, that's got a um, it's got a DOP registration now, so Australians can't use that name for their wines. Uh, so basically, it's a sweet red wine, um, very similar to Prosecco, but it's not sparkling, if that makes sense. So I've tried to kind of stick to the authentic recipe as much as I possibly could, and uh, it has turned out fantastic. I haven't tasted it yet. Obviously, it's got to go through its affinage. Uh, so about three months of maturing. So it should be a, a very interesting little cheese. Anyway, hopefully you'll uh, have seen that video by now. Uh, if you haven't, I ask you to pop over to uh, cheeseman.tv and that will redirect you to my YouTube channel where you can uh, check out all of the videos that I produce over there. Anyway, on with the news. So, we have a story from the New York Times, and apparently the French are up in arms. Why are they up in arms? Well, the headline says, Camembert without raw milk, it's treason, connoisseurs cry. So, this was dated the 16th of May. I know the story's a little bit old, but it's by Elaine Peltier. Hopefully I got that right. Paris, French cheese connoisseurs want everybody who loves the country's culinary heritage to hear their anguish, almost unimaginable cry, boycott French camembert. Because soon enough, they warn, that creamy, pungent icon of France will give way to a tasteless paste, masquerading as the real thing. Beginning in 2021, camembert made from pasteurised milk in factories 
will be labelled in a way that has only been allowed for artisanal cheese made in the time-honoured, more expensive way by hand using raw milk. More than 40 leading French chefs, winemakers and cheese ripeners signed an open letter published on Tuesday in the Daily Liberation announcing this apostasy and calling on President Emmanuel Macron to put a stop to it. Without separate designations to signal to consumers, they predict raw milk camembert will become increasingly rare, a niche luxury product available only to a select few. We demand raw milk camembert for all, the letter said, ending in the declaration Liberté, Egalité, Camembert. It denounced the new rules as shame, scandal, imposture, even treason, while dismissing pasteurised milk camembert as lifeless matter, pasteurised plaster and an ocean of mediocrity. Pasteurisation kills dangerous germs, but raw milk camembert lovers insist that it also kills flavour, robbing the cheese of richness and terroir, the character imparted by a specific place. Some of the signatories, like the letter's author, Veronique Rich Lugerot, oh, I can't even say that properly. Anyway, president of a group of devout, a, a group devout to traditional cheeses, and Francis Bourgeon, a noted cheesemonger, even called for a boycott of camembert if the change takes effect. Camembert is an emblem of the French cheeses, Mr. Bourgeon said. If it dies, others will follow. So it goes on to say um, how much cheese is made, um, but what it does is it says that most of the 65,000 tonnes of camembert sold each year in France is mass-produced from pasteurised milk, and only 8.5% earns the coveted designation Camembert de Normandie, meaning that it is made in that region to exacting standards from raw milk. So that is a fairly small percentage of uh, camemberts made in France that is actually real, real camembert. So um, that was discovered in, well, it was created in that area in Normandy. Anyway, fantastic little story. It goes on for quite a while, but uh, you get the gist uh, that if consumers are tricked into buying the paste-list, paste-list, paste, the pasty, there we go, we'll go with that. The pasty cheese, um, that is pasteurised milk. Uh, the French are going to be up in arms and there will be nothing worse than that because camembert is such a delightful little cheese. Now, unfortunately, I have not tasted a raw milk camembert because the problem is when they export them, they can't import them here into Australia because of the quarantine rules. So... Unfortunately, I'm still yet to taste the real deal. Maybe I'll have to get some raw milk and make it myself. Okay, on to some listener questions. Uh, the first question is from Daniel. Hello, Gavin. This is Dan calling from Alberta, Canada. Hey, I do have a question regarding molds. Um, I know in the big Parmesan, uh, manufacturers, they produce these concave rounded looks, uh, in their Parmesan cheese. 
Um, how do you get the rounded look on smaller ones? Is that a natural process or do they have smaller molds with that concave rounded sided look to the cheese? Thanks for everything you do. Talk to you later. Well, thanks, Dan. Appreciate the question. Yes, there are concave molds out there. Quite a few cheese suppliers do have them. They're known as uh, Gouda molds, I think, most of them, or tome molds. And they're rounded at the bottom, and the the follower on that you place on top is also rounded. So when you press it, you get that kind of oval sort of shape. If you look at it side on, that is. So concave is is what you're saying. So yes, you can buy those sorts of molds for smaller for smaller cheeses, and I think even up to about there are so, those that size mold for cheeses that are about six kilograms or what's that, twelve pounds roughly, maybe thirteen in weight. So yeah, so go hunting, have a look at the uh, the cheese suppliers in your country, and I'm sure that they'll have some concave molds that you'll be able to get that same sort of um, that same sort of shape that uh, you're after for your cheeses. Best of luck, Dan. The next question is from Eden. Hi, Gavin. I've had a bit of a cheddar disaster. I have some six goat cheddars in my, quote, cheese cave with a, ther- a thermostat regulator. Went in just now to check them and discovered that it had blown a fuse and now it had gone up to 20 degrees Celsius. The just front cheddars were kind of warm and I'm wondering, is it a disaster? I'm just starting to cool it off again now. Have I lost all six of my goat cheddars? I am very sad. Thank you. Don't be sad, Eden. Uh, And thanks for your question. Uh, I think because you've caught it quite quickly and it hasn't been like days and days, you would not have any issue by putting the temperature back down to whatever it should be, what is it, 13 degrees Celsius, 55 Fahrenheit, and your cheeses will survive one day at a higher temperature. Uh, You certainly will not have wrecked those cheeses. They may have accelerated their maturation process a little bit by a matter of days, maybe weeks, but they will still turn out to be wonderful goat's cheddars. So congratulations on all those cheeses that you've made too, Eden. Hopefully they'll all turn out okay and you won't have any issues. But yeah, a couple of hours won't make any difference whatsoever. That's like leaving your cheese that you've just taken out of the press and you're air drying it for an extra couple of days. No big deal. It's not going to change the flavour profile that much. Hopefully that answers your question. Thanks for um, sending me a voicemail, Eden. The next one is from Ken. Hi, Gavin. This is Ken Wibley, UK. I recently made a cheddar that I've been told I've overpressed. It came out at about 1.8 kilos instead of 2.3. Will this make a difference to its final um, outcome, do you think? Okay, I look forward to uh, seeing the response. Thank you. Hey, Ken, thanks for your um, your voicemail and your question. How do you know it's overpressed? That's my first question to you. Who told you it was overpressed? Have they actually cut into your cheese and looked at the uh, side profile of it? Have they tasted your cheese? So there'd be questions I'd be answering back personally. You've got to remember that uh, home cheese makers, there's no right and wrong thing. 
okay? So what somebody may call overpressed, you may say, is a firm cheese. <laughs> That's the way I'd pitch it anyway. Yeah, there's no right and wrong way to do anything. If you're trying to replicate uh, cheese that you've tasted uh, from a mass producer, why not just buy the cheese from the mass producer? If you want artisan cheese, just enjoy what you're making, mate. Really, that's that's where I'm coming from. And that's when I have successes and not so successes, then um, I treat them all with the same that it's just a big experiment. It's one of life's great joys, uh, and that is making cheese by yourself or with friends uh, at home in your own kitchen. Whatever it turns out like, uh, it will be an absolute treat anyway. So thanks for your question. I, not having any photos or anything, I can't tell if it's overpressed. But like I said, I would query straight back and say, how do you know it's overpressed? Anyway, thanks for your question, Ken. The next question is from Lynn. I would like to see you make Telemi, T-E-L-E-M-E-A, a Romanian cheese similar to feta. Thank you. Now, Lynn, thanks for that. Nice quick one. I have not been able to find a recipe for telemi. I know that uh, Romanian cheese and similar to uh, Bulgarian cheese, that they have uh, a type of feta. Um, no, they can't call it feta because feta is actually a uh, Greek designation cheese. And let me just, um, from what I can tell, this is just from research. I haven't made one myself. So they actually have a higher percentage of goat's milk in those cheeses than sheep's milk. So traditional feta is 70% ewe's milk or sheep's milk and 30% goat's milk. Now, the higher amount of goat's milk that you add, the more tart or um, piquant that the flavour of the cheese will be, the more spiciness or or um, the more flavour. Well, I'm not going to say flavour because they all have flavour, don't they? The sharper, that's probably the best word. So the sharper the cheese will be. So I actually do have a recipe, and I will put it in the show notes for you. I have a full goat's milk feta cheese, which is in the style of Bulgarian feta, which is very similar, from what I can tell, to Tulemi. So hopefully that'll help, and uh, I do actually have a video for that, and then you can just check that out. The recipe for that cheese will actually be featuring in my new book, which I'm now halfway through, Curd Nerds, um, Rejoice. <laughs> it will be in Keep Calm and Make More Cheese, which is the title for my new book. So, yes, I've in fact, I actually typed that recipe into the book today. If you can't wait for the book, then uh, pop over to the YouTube video. Like I said, I'll leave it in the show notes to this podcast. Anyway, fantastic, and thank you very much for your question, Lynn. So that's about all we've got time for today. Um, don't forget that you can put your question to me um, if you pop over to littlegreencheese.com and you'll see a SpeakPipe widget on the right-hand side of the page. It'll say leave a voicemail for Gavin, and that's the way you leave a voicemail like everybody else. The little widget will ask you, can I access your microphone uh, on your device? Just say yes and then record away. But make sure when you do record, though, that you have a listen back and make sure that it's audible um, and that I'll be able to understand it when I receive it. 
They've been streaming in lately, so I've got enough for about at least another four podcast episodes. So keep sending them in. I love to receive your voicemail questions, and they all get answered via the the show. Now, don't forget, uh, you can also buy, if you are in the market for any cheesemaking supplies, pop over to littlegreenworkshops.com.au. We ship globally, and uh, they are well, my wife and I, are sponsors for this show. Um, We keep it going, we run the business, and uh, we will ship those orders, those cheesy orders out to you as quick as we can. You've been listening to Little Green Cheese Podcast. You can pick up my cheese-making e-book, Keep Calm and Make Cheese, over at any good e-book retailer. You can also find it at littlegreencheese.com. If you want to check out my YouTube tutorial videos, then you can do so over at cheeseman.tv. There are over 230 videos about cheese, uh, including cheese recipes, taste tests, and the like. Well, thanks for listening, Curd Nerds, and stay tuned for the next episode of Little Green Cheese Podcast. During this show, you heard music by Kevin McLeod. I played Malt Shop Bop, Call to the Dairy Cows, and News Theme. Bye.